love you. Gentlefolk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please, won't you come on in and sit with us on the couch? I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. Pretty, pretty, please, come on in here. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is Green Faces on the Couch. This is a podcast about movies and television. And we're talking about some movies. This is a, a special episode we do... Once a month, called the Potato Pick. You, the you Potato are, Pick. You are all couch potatoes. This has been determined by law. And, yes. And I'm a lawyer. And we also accept the terms French Fry Flick and Tater yeah. Tot Threesome. That's right. This episode. It sure can be called that. Our pa- our pa- our patrons from Patreon at patreon.com slash greenfaceless, they're generous enough to support us so... We get them all in on voting for an episode once a month, and here we are. And I believe, uh, even though this was submitted by my mother, I I am fairly confident that these are my father's films. (laughs) 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 These are some of his favorites, and uh, I hope I don't disappoint him today, especially with one of them. I figure he knows knows what our opinion will be on it, but... It's going to be fun. It's going to be a very reminiscing episode of talking about my youth growing up on Gorsh. Actually, on my, Gorsh. Father is, well, my father is Earthian, so like he's a human being. But, oh. you know, kind of like Clark Kent situation. I kind of like landed here. They adopted me and like we're like, well, we could probably disguise him a little bit. So, just say he looks a little ill. That's why he's so green. That he is. It, it is yes. sickly, man. <laughs> I can pull it off with, with enough, yeah, with enough makeup. It, it, looks, it looks a little normal. Oh, I I didn't know you were wearing makeup. All day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's let's go all the way back to our oldest film of the potato pick, born the very same year as my father. Father Goose. Oh. That's not what father I call my father. father. That is the name of that is the name of the movie. <laughs> father that is Goose. The name of the movie play, uh, starring Cary Grant and Leslie ah, yes. Caron or I think that's how you say it, anyways. I would say Caron, yeah. Playing Walter and Catherine. To thank to you. Get that yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh it's Cary Grant's penultimate film. This is the second to last movie he'll ever be in, and wow, like, I, didn't know that. I mean, dude's a fucking master at the craft. Like, He's let's be really honest, good actor. He really is. Yeah, not a you know, even if you've never seen older films that he was in, if you know movies, you know the name Cary Grant. If you're just completely clueless, you probably never heard the name before. You probably don't even know who Frank Sinatra is, so it's no point. <laughs> but <laughs> I know I know some people who don't even know who Frank Sinatra is, and it still makes me want to cry. Yeah, I, I bring. I guess I bring Frank Sinatra up because he covers the song that's introduced in this movie, and that's the version I know right. of this song. Yeah, that's the version I know too. Yeah, yeah. This song, uh, "Pass Me By," first came uh, to be in this movie. Here, it's sung by. Kai Coleman or Cy Coleman and uh, Carolyn Lee, and it's just—it's a beautiful fucking song. I don't want to—I don't want to sing it because I'll—I won't do it justice. Yeah, no. And I'm, and, a, and know, I'm embarrassed of my here singing to listen voice. About music, not not music, movies. They came here for the movies, not the music. Oh, we can talk music though. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we can, we, we can talk music. We yeah. We can cut that think, time out of the second film. Us, 
I don't think they want us to sing. That's not <laughs> that's not a critique on you because I I too uh, every once in a while feel the urge to break into song, but I I hold it See, back. That's the thing is people talk about musicals and it's like oh man it's not realistic. Nobody bursts into song like this. I'm like. <laughs> Bitch, I don't know about you, but I burst into song like this every fucking day. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> the, the question best thing is whether to do or not when you're alone. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, yeah, it, the question is whether or not if you're not alone and the people join in with you. If they join in, then you have a musical. Then, then you have a musical, most often. Yeah. Most often, they don't join in. They just kind of look at you, and some of them are like, "Will you shut the fuck up?" You know, like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> You get a lot of things thrown at you if you start and singing some, in public. And some yet just don't know what they're looking at. And they uh, they just unblinkingly watch. And yeah. <laughs> just like, ah, oh, street performers, fuck. <laughs> Father Goose. We're here for Father Goose. Yeah, we're here for Father Goose. Yeah, directed by Ralph Nelson. Written by Peter Stone, Frank Tarloff. And uh, it's based off of a story called uh, called A Place of Dragons by Sanford Barnett. Never read a any of that or heard of any of those people. Of dragons. A Place of Dragons. I don't know if the kids are supposed to be the dragons, if that's like the Yeah, I don't know. The implication. Or if they like super Disneyfied the movie or something, you know. Like, they probably super Disneyfied the movie. What if there wasn't even kids in the book? <laughs> it's just he goes to, he's in world war ii he's just a spotter and he finds on this island just a bunch of dragons yeah. <laughs> i love it all right we're rebooting father goose <laughs> but with this idea <laughs> so but yeah walter yeah. he's an american who lives in uh the pacific all of it wherever he wants to go and uh <laughs> all his <laughs> and you know i've actually met a couple people like that it's uh they have some interesting thoughts on life you know and so does walter uh but his main objective is to get drunk and so he's nice. stealing some provisions from uh a dock and the harbor ma- harbor master play uh played by trevor howard he comes out and uh is like oh hello walter uh, yes, 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 yada, yada, yada. And he's just like <laughs> letting him load all this stuff on it. And uh, his oh, God. Uh, his underling, I believe, uh, called Stib- Stebbings, played by Jack Good. He's like, you can't let him do this. This is wrong. I'm, I'm such a cadet. Um, and <laughs> Trevor Howard, he convinces through... Some of the most hilarious hijinks and manipulation (laughs) (laughs) that I I really enjoyed his character. Uh, I think he might have been my favorite character. Yeah, Frank is fucking phenomenal. I love him so much. (laughs) Just and like that's okay. It speaks volumes about uh, Cary Grant's acting that. The dude can have me rolling on the floor just by saying Frank over and over again. Just like him talking on the radio and just like, all of it, Frank. All of it, Frank. All of it. (laughs) Like, that's just, it. it's so simple. It's it's absurd. I mean, it's absurdly low. I don't want to say lowbrow, but it's like, it's just easy comedy. And it's great for that. It's just so good. It's It's just so calming. 
Like, it's also great because this is set during World War II, and if you don't know history at all, the Allies were fighting primarily against the Japanese in the Pacific Ocean. Yes, so he convinces uh, Walter to be a spotter on the island, call out planes and ships, and shit like that. And he convinces so. is more like shanghai's him and tosses him like maroons yes. him on an island. <laughs> he does maroon him on an island. He does. But <laughs> he it's really like, does. It's like one of those things like you could tell that Frank and Walter go way back. And yeah, yeah. There's, there's some there's some good backstory revenge going on here. Yes, yes. So. It, it it's all kind of in good fun, but yeah, he does definitely break the shit out of his boat. He's like, "Oh, I guess you're gonna have to dock it on this island that we're at." And <laughs> oh, work sorry, on it. Frank. <laughs> Didn't mean to. We'll send a ship by to pick you up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So it's good. anyhow, eventually, he gets asked to do more than what is probably his job as a spotter. And he goes to go rescue this other guy, but instead he finds Leslie Caron playing Catherine, a school teacher for this this school at an embassy for like you know yeah ambassadors children. So he's got I don't know what is it like a baker's dozen or something like that. I want to say it's like eight. I want to it's okay. a, it's something around there. I it can't remember the exact eight. amount. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how many could fit in that tiny boat that was what yeah, they were all Yeah, they all at. went in one trip in his dinghy. Yeah, and he had to row the whole, almost the whole way, yes. pretty much. I feel bad for him what sometimes. What was it that but, Frank like, said when he went out to do it? He said, oh yeah, he said, oh, and Walter, the moon is quite full tonight. And then Cary <laughs> Grant picks up the radio and is like, and why would I need to know that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what exactly is the situation you're sending me in here, you asshole? There's, there's so many moments where it's like, I feel bad for Frank, or for uh, for Walter, for Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his blunt attitude, like, he's a bit of a dick sometimes. Yeah. Like, so, so you feel bad for him. And then also, like, you are rooting for him because he's a very charismatic and very caring person. Even yeah. if even if he does hold you at it's arm's length, down. he he de- yeah. he definitely feels. Yeah, and, but, and you know when they get to the back, his backstory too, it's like you know I feel like I could get to know that guy. He seems cool. Yeah, yeah, and I like he, his backstory. It's it's nice and yeah, simple. It's good. <laughs> yeah. A little too much too much weight put on a necktie incident, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there is the, that is the downfall with this movie. It does have a few few too many far-reaching elements so like the relationship between walter and Catherine that is too far i mean that is the one yeah. part that i actually disliked about the movie is that yeah, they get that's... in a slapping match and and then they get married spoilers here's, <laughs> so here's yeah here's the thing though i don't know how many world war ii romance stories you've heard but that's how a lot of them i've heard go is I've heard so many stories where it's like such and such soldier met the nurse that first day he was smoking a cigarette and the nurse was like, you better not be smoking that in my fucking like lounge area. I'm going to beat the fucking tar out of you. Six days later, they were married. And it's like, those are like legit war stories you hear of like yeah. couples that go on to be married for like 50, 60 years. Yeah. That was just World War II romance. But I don't know, man. I, I, I don't like it either. I mean, sure. I think it is a trope. Is what it is. Yeah. And 
for us, when we see it in the modern lens, it's like, what the fuck? You guys just beat the shit out of each other. Now you're going to get mad. Okay, <laughs> sure. I know. It's 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 absolutely ridiculous. I, I agree with you. From the modern eye set or our viewpoint, it definitely is weird and I didn't like it. when, Especially when I was rewatching, I was like, oh man, that is a really quick shift. I will say that I did laugh. But just yeah. because of how jarring it is. It's like, it is literally <laughs> like, she slaps him, he slaps her back. She slaps him, he slaps her back. And then the screen moves, and they're, like, getting ready to get married. <laughs> it is, that is literally it little, what it happens. There's more to it, because he puts a ring on her finger, or, like, he goes out, wait, no, that happens in the wedding scene. Never yes. Mind. <laughs> yeah, because the wedding scene tap like takes like ten fucking minutes because they get attacked right. halfway through. Get, that that so was just, a it good feels scene. So long. That was a yeah. good scene. I just wish they would have. I just wish it wasn't the slapping match because they were already yeah. building a relationship. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, they so this was not as severe of a switch as like the African Queen. It actually oh, had right, some build right. up, but it had just like this climatic moment of them slapping each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which and very I think comedic. they could have done. It was a, a, a comedic bit. It was. Yeah. But, you know, just from our modern also, lens, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit well. But boy, was it hilarious, especially when you get Frank's reaction where he's just sitting yeah. in the he's just sitting in the Navy base and they're just like, uh, Mother Goose and the big bad wolf want to get married. And he's just like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you're telling me. <laughs> just gets so pissed off he's like there's no fucking way <laughs> uh, that's but right. that is that is my right. biggest that is my biggest negative with the movie is that that entire switch there yeah and then so. uh the whole th- there's other there's other moments too where it's a little hard to take at face value like when the soldiers come up on the beach and they're looking around and frank is literally like i know he's in khaki clothing and I know he's like lying low to the ground, covering that child on the on the beach. But they are white right out in the open. Yeah. the 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 camera can't pick it up. The camera doesn't see it. But right. I feel like human eyes would still have seen them at that distance. It just it, it happens in the third act. It's a very tense moment, or it's trying mm-hmm. to be. And the whole time I'm sitting there, like, how the fuck do they not see them? <laughs> like, yeah, that one I'm willing to chalk up to movie mac uh, magic. You know, like right, right. Yeah, sure. They probably would have gotten caught in that situation, uh, but they were the, the those Japanese soldiers were just looking for turtles. They weren't looking for peoples. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know that is that is the other argument. They were they weren't looking at rocks and things, which is what their bodies would have looked like. They were they were looking for shiny stuff. And then and there's the moment too where it's just uh, where they. The the Japanese soldiers are like, maybe we should get coconuts instead. Maybe we can appease him with that. Yeah. And then there's one girl who's hiding up in the coconut tree, yeah. and, and Cary Grant's like freaking out, like, oh fuck. Oh, uh, there, there there's so many good moments that the negatives don't irritate no, me too much. I, I don't think so, and especially since I I am able to look at it and say this is a movie from a long time ago. Things and society were different then which that's yeah, another thing and- i don't i don't recall a, a single per- person of color <laughs> no oh there were some people working on the docks but still that's the same yeah but i mean for a 60s romantic comedy like it's good it's really it's fun good. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it brings back a lot of warm memories of just watching this with my family because, again, this was one of my father's favorite films. We watched this a lot. Uh, like, this was like probably a once a year or once every other year kind of movie that we would just end up putting on when we were bored. And it's it delivers a lot of good comedic moments. Great acting from Cary Grant. Excuse me? Oh, God. Great acting from Cary Grant. <laughs> and like I mean, I also like Leslie Car- Carone. I think she does good acting as yeah, well. She does, um, yeah. but but Cary Grant is what him and him and uh, Trevor Howard are what carry the, carry this film. For yeah, me. Like, I think the kids are pretty cute too. There is this one moment between her and Walt that would n- not be in a movie today, but like it was also yeah. it it was. I feel like it was framed well enough for the audience member to understand that he was teasing her and, right. and trying to get her to run away. <laughs> but, I think it was framed uh, I think it was framed just well enough, but I think they should have well done enough. a little just a little more to make it more obvious of a yes. joke because it, it yes. still was riding the edge of like, ooh, key. Yeah, he scared her. <laughs> he he yeah. kinda scared her. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, it is really weird. And and she is the one who initiated it and then he's like okay you're like yeah. 11 <laughs> <laughs> he's like all right kid come on now and a fun thing too is that only one and i don't know which one but only one of the child actors was a professional child actor the rest were all oh, really yeah the the director really wanted to avoid child actors he wanted he wanted it to feel very natural and like they were, they were pretty damn they're good. They were really good. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And there, a couple of them didn't even speak English. Right. And I'm personally attached to Harry just because it's like, I feel like there's, even though they don't talk about it at all, I feel like there's a transsexual message there. <laughs> even though Between, it's not at all mentioned. Uh, Harry, who? the, there's one, there's one oh, child Harry. who they'll, yes. yeah, they'll be like, it, Harriet, can you please grab the place? And she's like, it's pronounced Harry. And it's just like, oh, sorry, Harry, dear. And it's just like, I just feel like even though it's not at all approached or talked about, there's just a subtle little transgender yeah. uh, message there. And I, lo- I love Harry just for that reason. <laughs> yeah, Harry's fun. Uh, the I don't know if she was the youngest one or not, but I did want to mention that Anne was played this little girl's name. They're probably a little bit more than an adult now, but their name is Pip Sparkles. Pip Sparkles? No, excuse me. Pip Sparks. There's no L. Ah. But but I really thought it was Pip Sparkles for just a second, and that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Now I have to edit the entire damn thing out. It's no longer funny. Pip Sparks. <laughs> 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 but no, I think that's my that's my thoughts on Father Goose. I really enjoy it. A little bit of a rough third act when there's that weird transition into love uh, mm-hmm. that hasn't aged. I mean, and you know the 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 joke with the one child who's like hitting on him. Yeah, uh, there's some there's some moments that haven't aged well, but the comedy's freaking great and the acting's a lot of fun. And, and now that I'm mostly actually, it's cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and now that I'm an adult and actually understand the story, you know, mostly when I watched this as a kid, I only watched it for the jokes. I didn't really pay attention to what was going on. Now that I'm an adult and understand the story, it's it's a lot more enjoying, uh, enjoyable because it's like you know you you understand the tension more, especially around the World War uh, Two right. 
in a time period because like as a kid i didn't get that i i was like four or five watching this a lot and like i don't know what the hell's going on but this is hilarious dad's laughing it's in the background enough the the war is it's it's in the background enough that a kid probably wouldn't recognize there was something bad going on and it's it's funny because like uh wikipedia calls it like a romantic comedy war film and I know there's enough war elements in it that I guess it's a war film, but, like, it's not at all a war film. It's just a, a nice little romantic comedy set in a war period. And I give it three stars. That's a good rating. I give it a face. I enjoyed it. I'd probably watch it again sometime, but probably not anytime soon. I've seen movies that do the same thing. It's it's not really an original story, but I do think that Cary Grant did it really well. And so do all these children and Leslie Caron. And like we said, Trevor Howard really kind of stole the show and he's not in a good portion of it. <laughs> I don't know why I really thought he was great. He really was great. And, and like, especially being on one location for most of it, like mm-hmm. he has that bit on the dock and on the ship at the beginning and end, but most of it, he is just in that, that military room. So knowing movie magic, all of his shit was probably done in one fucking day. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and it was wow. probably not even, you know, Cary Grant, I would assume was hopefully there or like somebody was there to read Cary Grant's lines. But like, you know, most of the time he is just talking to Cary Grant through a walkie, right. like through yeah. a microphone, like they're not facing each other. And yet the, the humor no. is so damn good, even though they're not yeah. looking at each other. Hopefully, I, I think they probably had some rehearsal, you know, to get an right. idea of what each other would do. And, and then they went and recorded it. But yeah, still, not having that person there, just remembering how they said it, that's, yeah. I mean, that's talent. That's, uh... Exactly. It's not easy it's great. To it's good movie magic. It's a lot of fun. A good Hollywood 60s film. Let's move on yeah. to a bad film. Yeah, from the <laughs> 80s. Uh, should but we, first, should we, yeah, should we get yeah. soda, like refreshments and shit to prepare ourselves? <laughs> yeah, right. I need a, I need a smack in the face. Really, have you seen Cary Grant? Let's. <laughs> you want him to smack you in the pop. face? He <laughs> smack me in the face and set me Is straight. That, I'm not sure exactly what kind of services you're requesting to Cary Grant here. No, I, I, I don't think I want to get married. That part, I'm not so into that. I already have a ring. Yeah, no, I, I just, I need to wake up a little bit and prepare myself for Porky's. That's what I got to do. That's fair. Uh, if Cary Grant wanted to be my sugar daddy, like if he, if he were still alive and wanted to be my sugar daddy, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> yeah. I'll say it. Well, <laughs> soda pop. I feel like I could blame Porky's for a lot of my issues as an adult. Oh, yeah? A lot of my ignorance can probably come back to this movie. <laughs> oh, right. no, are you frozen? We're back? Oh, no, you were just... Are we back? You are perfectly still. Yeah, we're back. Okay. But yeah. As I was saying, I feel like I could uh, perfectly blame this film, Porky's, uh, from 1981, uh-huh. for all of my ignorances as a kid. Solely because, well, it's a very smut movie. Yeah. That was on, <laughs> it was on a lot as a kid, specifically because it was the only movie I knew of in our catalog and our whole library of films that had boobies and a lot of them. 
Yeah. And so, so growing boobies in it. Yeah. Growing green traveler was like, Oh, boobs. I like those. And so this movie was on a lot and yeah, that's how I feel. Zelda. I I feel bad about it because now I haven't watched this movie for like a decade and a half since I was probably a teenager. We got, we got, my brother and I got in trouble with this movie. And I think after that, we didn't watch it or something. I can't remember. I don't remember the story very well. I was very too, I was too young. Well, you didn't watch it for the story. (laughs) Yeah. You know, no, I definitely didn't watch it for the story, but I'm I'm at the story of how we got in trouble Mm. uh, with the movie. He snuck it into my backpack when we were going to my, our grandmother's house for the weekend. <laughs> and I know he's going to say, I didn't sneak it in there. You took it. No, he snuck it into my backpack. I, as I said, I don't remember the story, so it's very possible I stole it. But <laughs> You just blamed it on anyway. him. You blamed it on yeah, him yeah, so exactly. hard that you believed it. Well, I'm like, that's the problem is I'm the younger brother, so I blame everything on him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like one time, one time I hit a rock through the window, and like we're we my brother and I were playing. We, we always would like go outside and hit rocks. We had a gravel driveway, mm-hmm. and so we would just go out there with baseball bats and just hit rocks because we love baseball so much. And we're we're creepy serial killer kids. And one day we were just hitting the rocks, and he hits one over the house. He's like, I bet you can't do that. I was like, I bet I can. <laughs> and I hit a rock right through the window. And dad comes storming out going, what the fuck are you doing? Swinging and hitting rocks right at the fucking house. And I was like, well, it's Junior's fault. He told me I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was so much the younger brother. It was always my brother's fault. And I blame him for the Porky's incident. I fully believe that he put it in my backpack or in his own backpack. And our grandmother found it, it and called my mother. They called mom and were like, uh, there's this movie that your kids have brought over here and tried to watch. <laughs> did you try to watch it with your grandma? No, we did not try to watch it with her. Uh, <laughs> she went to bed very early. She was a right. 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. kind of like conking out. And so I think she had went to the bedroom to go to sleep. And we were like, now is our chance. No. And she came out to use the bathroom because she was a, like 60-year-old lady. Oh, we've got a lot of sirens going on. Hold on a second. Zelda's gonna go howling. Wow, she did. She didn't. I'm surprised. Wow, that was so surprising to you that you jumped. I I was scared. Like I was just like, she's totally gonna howl, and she just sat there the whole time, just like, nope. <laughs> I'm not letting this one bother me. <laughs> but I don't know if you can hear them. I can hear them just some, a little bit. Some. Yeah, some shit went down. I saw a tow truck going, and I just saw an ambulance and four car police cars. So something's going down. Uh But to get to the uh, the this movie, to get yeah. to the smut, you summarized the last one. I will I go ahead with Porky's. Right at high school in Florida, a lot of pervy teenager high schoolers uh, just getting fucked. You know, that's that's what they do. I guess. I think it's based in like. The late fifties too. Yeah, Dwight Eisenhower's president. They mentioned yeah. that on the radio. Uh, you start off with a young man named, uh, nicknamed Pee Wee. I don't remember what his real name is. Edward Edgar. I think it was. It started with an E. Uh, but he's. He, they call him Pee Wee. He's very obsessed yeah. with needing to get laid. He's a poor virgin in high school. I mean, uh, God, that has to suck. And you know, he's just he's just got to get laid. That's that's his entire character. 
And he is played by... I think I wrote his name down. I did not. He was Dan main... Monahan. Dan Monahan. Thank you. Yeah, he is... Uh... He was famous at the time. He was in something before this that was like got him big attention. And then he did this, and I don't know where his career went after that. I don't. I don't remember him in many things. I'm sure, he was. Let me see. He seemed familiar to me. Yeah, I just I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't was place in a Baby lot of these Geniuses. He I don't know if I've a seen that. Reporter in that. He was in the uh, other two reporter. movies. Yeah, I do. I do know him for the other two Porky's movies. We watched all three of them. I gotta say. They were all as lewd as this one. The second one might be honestly better than this one. The other two movies I don't really remember much of. I know we watched them. I know the second one involves a play. They're doing Shakespeare. And I remember there is a very hilarious scene in that that uh, my brother and I have always, you know, there's a lot of inside jokes that have come from these films, all three of these films. Right. But a lot of jokes from Porky's that like, sadly we found so funny that are, are they are like inside jokes and one of them is the sword fight in the the second film they they fight with legs and it's really fucking hilarious um <laughs> the mannequin legs yeah because they both they they both they have they're supposed to have swords you know play swords and mm-hmm. it said they they one of them draws a play sword the other one doesn't have a sword and he's like oh shit a sword a sword a kingdom for a sword and somebody <laughs> throws him out a mannequin leg and he's just like Okay, <laughs> they start fighting <laughs> with that. <laughs> it's it has some moments. It's 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 at least kind of funny. But Pee Wee, it start this movie starts off with Pee Wee waking up. He uh, checks his penis size because he is very particular about his growth. He has a growth chart uh-huh. to measure his size. He is very upset that it has been getting shorter. That is a very key plot point. I Three guess. Three years of damn things getting shorter. <laughs> it is. It's getting shorter. <laughs> Fuck. So mad about that. And you go, you know, you go to the high school, you have all the, the crazy high schooler antics. You've got, you know, they're all joking around, having fun, making fun of each other. I guess all of them are having sex with each other. That's implied a lot that, you know, such and such girl has been with such and such guy or such and such guy has been with such and such girl. And everybody is just horny. Everybody. Horny. And so horny. and it's like, I feel like I, when I watched this as an adult, I was sitting there and I'm just like, man, did I just miss out on high school? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I, was so like, bu- I was so busy not paying attention to anybody else. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I don't like, yeah, care. Me, I thought like, you know, I thought I was pretty horny, but I did not do any of this stuff. <laughs> I think well, uh, this movie also... I. Like we said, it's based in the Eisenhower era. They didn't have video games. They probably would be lucky to find a social club for people their age. Right. There's nothing else to do in Florida but screw, I guess. I guess, man. Go down to the the sister town and uh, go to Porky's strip club out there and, and, you know, get laid. And Porky just about owns the county. Yeah, his um, brother's the sheriff. <laughs> his brother's the sheriff. Or cousin's the, the sheriff, something the, like that. Bi- it, it's in the Everglades. I was going to say Bayou, but it's in the Everglades. Right, right. Porky's is. Oh, man. And it is this uh, strip club that has uh, Porky's playpen. And yeah. The, and it's the, kind of a... top layer. It's kind of a shady side Sunnyville kind of thing. I don't remember if I'm na- remembering those names of those towns right from Fear Street. But it's kind of like that where, you know, the... Where Pee Wee and all of them go to school, go to high school, is a very 
classy neighborhood and then sure. you go down into the uh Porky's area and it's just like the southern redneck area where everything <laughs> is just overgrown and yeah everybody's spitting and they're all like hawking loogies and shit yeah it's pretty nasty yeah but that's this whole movie it's pretty nasty yeah, <laughs> it's got true. it's very demeaning to women it's yes. got so many terrible racist moments it tries to have an anti-Semitic, uh, um, anti-anti-Semitic message. <laughs> it tries. Is it just Semitic? A Semitic message? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it has a tolerance. It has a tolerance message for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a new a new kid at the school. I don't remember his name. Brian? No, Brian's a. No, I it think is Brian. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, and uh, Scott Colombi, and uh, Billy is—he's the only character I really like in this whole movie. Billy is, and he is trying to get everybody to include Brian in their right. activities. He's a new—you know—he's the new kid at the school, and he's like, "I think he's pretty fun. Like, let's let's include him. You know, when we go out to Pee Wee or when we go out to Porky's right. and get laid." But he's Jewish, and, everybody, and yeah, but everybody's against it because he's Jewish. Yeah. It's it's not meat because meat doesn't seem to do anything wrong if I recall. Besides, I I don't remember. I mean, they're all awful, really. Meat, um, yeah, meat's <laughs> just a horny boy, but it's 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 fine because at the same um, time he is he is a, a funny character that I like. <laughs> right. He he's a he's a football player, but he wanted to go to like Princeton or something, and they didn't accept him. Yeah. But, but it was like the only school that he applied to that didn't accept him. He has like full rides to other places. Yeah, exactly. So good. Uh, at, I did. The I do ball. like meat. He is nicknamed Meat because he has a you know deformed penis. Yeah. <laughs> it's apparently very massive. Uh, he's played by Tony Tony Genios or Genios, and Billy is uh, played by Mark Harrier. Right. I should say. And I, I, again, Billy is the the one character I really liked because he is the only person that's kind of tolerable, and he's also tolerant. Right. <laughs> it's just he he is just the nice the nice kid. Like he doesn't go with them to Porky's until the very end when they when they enact revenge on Porky for beating up one of their friends, the most racist of them. Yeah, because even the guy who is anti-Semitic at the end was like, "Hey, Brian," I, like he didn't like apologize. But he showed Brian that he really wants to be his friend, and he stood yeah. up to his own dad, his super racist, abusive dad. I don't remember the name of this guy. I think it's Tim, played okay. by Cyril O'Reilly, but I'm not sure. We're we're but supposed it, to feel bad that the most racist of the characters goes over to Porky's and gets hit the shit beat out of him, and then right. he goes back again and almost dies. Yep. Yeah, and, and like, we're supposed we're also, to feel bad for him, but I, I just yeah. don't. I don't. I don't either. And we're supposed to. We're supposed to feel like Porky is the villain, which you know, questionable strip club out in the middle of nowhere. Like, sure, like he is probably not a good person. That is. That is not right. on the table here. He's. He's definitely a bad. A bad individual, or at least a sleazy individual. Yeah, but. But this kid is underage, coming to his strip club, constantly harassing him. Like, obviously, he shouldn't beat the fuck out of this kid. No. But they go and they destroy his entire fucking 
business. <laughs> like, the whole thing. But the thing, okay, though, the thing is, so you say that from his perspective, he's the one who's being harassed. I get that. But, however, there are several characters in the film that are older than yeah. the high schoolers that don't like Porky, that feel like Porky did them wrong. And they join right. in and help to, to destroy Porky's. Yeah. But they, they also mention that they feel like they he did them wrong when they were in high school. When they were uh, underage kids as well. Because <laughs> the, the, the coach the coach is like, yeah, when I was a senior, I went out there and he beat the fuck out of me for trying to enter his <laughs> floor or his, uh, his bar when I was young, underage. Like it's, I've always wanted it, to get back at him. That was, co- that was Coach Brackett. Played by Coach Brackett. Yeah, who has a hilarious and unnecessary subplot going yes. throughout this movie where he is he is attracted to the cheerleaders like assistant coach or whatever who is played by Kim Cattrall from <laughs> Sex and the City <laughs> just, I, I I watched this whole movie and I'm just like I know that face and then like I watch and then like immediately I'm like alright I just gotta look up who that is and I pull it up I'm like oh oh she's who was it it was Samantha I think I, I think no I wrote idea. it down somewhere. I, I have not watched this. I haven't I'm, watched I, but all I of it. I am looking at. I am looking. Yeah, at, I haven't at it. And I mean, you wouldn't recognize her. She's she's extremely young in Porky's. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's much younger. Like probably twenty. Uh, I would say fifteen years. Fifteen years younger. She does play Samantha. I found my note. It's just so unnecessary. There's a whole running gag about it, and it's so stupid when it finally happens. It's like, oh, okay, sure. But it's all to set up his character for the end, to bring the coach in at the end so he could just help out the kids. There's just there's so many stupid things in this film, and that's one of them. That whole subplot, even though I laugh at it, mainly because of the coach's banter, and it's like, all right, you sleazy old fucks. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't want to spend too much time on this film any much longer. No, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't either. You know, uh, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I feel like we're shitting on your dad's favorite movie here. Uh, but there is just, it's just so dated. That is yeah. the thing. It, it's just, it goes against all the things that we have been working hard to do better on. Uh, you and, and me personally. Yeah, and to credit to credit critics back in the eighties, I know I know specifically Roger Ebert didn't like this film, but like a lot of them, you know, didn't like it. It was very immature, is I, right. I feel like what a lot of them were saying, and I feel like it goes right. much further beyond immature. It's it's very indecent, and yes. I'm I'm not gonna uh, say I didn't laugh at times. Right, right. I definitely there are definitely nostalgic moments where I remember my childhood watching this film, but. I mean, uh, okay, like one running gag that I know you know I do a lot is the Mike Hunt stuff. Like, yes, yes. I name a lot of video game characters Mike Hunt, mainly because of this movie. <laughs> like, oh, if you don't get the joke, just yeah. If you don't get the joke, just say that out loud a couple times. Maybe you'll get it. Wendy played by sorry. Khaki Hunter. She gets prank called by Pee Wee to yeah. ask for. Mike Hunt. That that's, yeah. that is the whole joke, and I have explained yep. it to the point where it is no longer funny. And now he can't do it anymore. 
<laughs> I, f- I, I think uh, I think Wendy is another character that has a better role in the second movie. I think there's more oh, to good. her character. Okay. Yeah, Please. so because in this one she's just used as she is, uh, as they said, loose and yeah, and they they milk that for all it's worth. And Pee Wee lost his chance, or did he? I don't know. <laughs> no, la- later, later, yeah. In the okay, post-credits yeah. scene, yeah, he gets a second did you chance. Get in the stars post-credits. Already? <laughs> I I haven't yet. Um, I will say I will lead into my closing notes with two fun facts. I think the gym teachers' names are hilarious. Uh, yeah. The female is named Ball Breaker. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Ball Bricker. Ball Bricker. Uh-huh. And the uh, male's name is Good Enough. Good <laughs> just just the laziest <laughs> fucking names they could come up with. And the second fun fact is this movie is directed by Bob Clark. And some of you might know Bob Clark as the director of Black Christmas. He did a fun 70s slasher. I think we've talked about it. If we haven't, I know I've watched it at least. Uh, it's, it's an interesting slasher. He also mm-hmm. directed and is most famous for A Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, maybe <laughs> that's why it? my maybe that's why my dad was hesitant about a Christmas story. He said, "I can't remember what's in this movie. I just remember that it's, I like it." And, and right, we watched it anyways. And I'm sure there was one or two things that my stepmom was like, "What?" <gasps> Gasp! And, and, right. But it that's a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a good movie. It's a good, decent family movie. So it's hilarious to think that Bob Clark also directed Porky's. He also, uh, I think he also wrote it. He wrote it with uh, Roger Swaybill, and because of filming issues, they had to uh, they had they ended up having to like fund it through Canada or something. I can't remember how it went. They, they couldn't get any production company in America to film it. Like everybody they went to turned them down. Like why. big surprise. Yeah. Right. So they, I think they went to Canada, and because of that, like Roger Swaybill wasn't allowed to be added as a credit for writing this film, but he still got paid for it. So you know, I think that he might have gotten the good end of the deal there, where it's like he wrote a smut comedy film and didn't have to be known for it until now when I outed him on the internet. You outed him. <laughs> I give it one and a half stars. I do not recommend it. It's a god awful film. I'm really no. sorry I watched it so much as a kid. I think it's it was a bad influence. I am it sorry was a that bad I watched influence. it. You That's... feel like you need to take a shower? I I do. But I have showered since I seen it, so That's good. I'm good. <laughs> you don't want to get the you don't you don't want to get me wet too often. Because then I start absorbing it, and then oh, God. I kind of turn a little, like, it's just a bit muddy, you know? I start leaving yeah. bits behind. Clayface-ish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Grouse. Anyhow, I give it half a face. Sorry, guys. Um, do you have a Do you have a no-face award? Not yet. Okay. But I wouldn't say this is no-face. I at least got some okay. chuckles out of it, and, um, I mean... You know, I can't say that I don't enjoy looking at boobs, so... Right. It's not bad. No. <laughs> In a consensual environment, it's not bad. No, it's fun. There's a lot of not... There's a lot of unconsensual moments in this film that become yeah. consensual, I guess. That's true. 
I guess. Yeah, it's weird. It's bad boys the, being the boys locker? shit that, you know, yeah. like, you gotta watch out for that shit. Gotta watch I mean, out look, for they holes were, in the shower. There were tunnels under my school, but I don't think any of them led to the showers, alright? Like, I, I explored no. a lot of the tunnels because I didn't go to class a lot, and I knew where a lot of the location of the entrances were, and then eventually the vice principal was like, alright, I'm just gonna give this kid a tour and hope that that stops him from coming down here. It did. The curiosity was gone. But it was it was fun. It was a great time. But, like, I don't think any of them led to the shower. In this movie, there's just a crawl space that leads to the shower where they could just lift up the spouts right. and look into the girls' locker room. What the fuck? Oh Bad design. Lord. Bad designing. Yes. No, nothing is designed that way. I, I mean, if there is, if this is inspired by somebody's true life. It, yeah. <laughs> It is based off someone's life. Uh, either um, either Bob Clark or Roger Swaybill wrote it about experiences of their high school life. So I don't know if that that detail specifically was part of their high school. I don't want to you know imply, but it's it, it seems like one of those like biographical kind of things that you would write into a story. <laughs> oh man, I remember sneaking down to go see the girls in the shower. Okay, oh, Grandpa. <laughs> you know, I think this might be my, one of my stepdad's favorite films, too. <laughs> it's a generational thing. Maybe. <laughs> so, let's be done with that. Let's wash our hands Let us of be. this. Let's flush the toilet. Goodbye, Porky Turd. I mean, Porky's... <laughs> Um, secondhand lions hell yeah i enjoy this movie it's very cute it's very good very endearing still always brings uh a thump into my heart and same a lot like i feel like if you mix the two characters of garth and hub played by michael kane and robert duvall uh you'd get my grandpa yeah I didn't, I didn't personally know my grandfathers, but uh, all the older men in my life that like to tell stories were these two men. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I can agree it, with that. And it is a, a good, good movie of how Walter, played by Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. Who, <laughs> he sees dead people. He sees dead people, and he also is in Future Man, and... Now I can't think of him without laughing. And a third and a lo- another thing that we actually I think talk I don't know if you ever if you cut out the things I say about Kingdom Hearts or if I don't actually <laughs> say them on microphone, but it doesn't matter. He plays Sora for the voice yes. in, in the English version. And I'm sure he also yeah. does live motion capture for all the the spin jumps and kicks and everything. Yeah, of course. I mean, how else yeah. would they get it? I mean, right? It's so realistic. You know, he, he stands there with his hands behind his head, uh, damn, with those little that. balls on on like his so wrist, elbows, and armpit. Hate that stance. The uh, least favorite thing so about silly. those games. The whole so the whole experience. That's your least favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say, Haley Joel uh, in this movie, um, it's not my favorite live action performance of his. Yeah, sure. I'm very much a Sixth Sense fan. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of his older films, like a lot of what he's done since, you know, he You've aged. You've seen Forrest Gump, though. Yeah. And, like, I've seen that. I've seen Sixth Sense. There's another one. Uh, 
I think a Steven Spielberg film where he plays like an alien or something. I can't remember. Uh, but like he, he has a lot of like small films that I've watched, but this is the one I've seen the most, mm-hmm. even though it's not my, le- it's my least favorite performance of his, not my least favorite, but one of my least favorite, because he's just, he's outclassed here. So, so well sure. by Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall is so goddamn great in this film. <laughs> and like, and the only, and it doesn't at all ruin the performances of Michael Caine or Haley Joel. They just fall no. under his shadow for me because they just, they just kind of fall under the, what he's doing. Yeah. Hub is the perfect character for Robert Duvall. Like he's basically just playing yeah. himself. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Right. And, you know, we got Southern Michael Caine. So that's already a little bit of dissonance. Uh, if you know right. Michael Caine. He did great. I mean, I love his accent work in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, you can tell just a little bit that he's putting on an accent why Robert Duvall is talking like Robert Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the movie yeah. also shifts, like halfway through it shifts from, I mean, it, it mostly focuses on Robert Duvall's character when you get to know the uncles, that is. Yes. But there is a shift from Michael Caine telling the story to Robert Duvall telling the story. And from there, it becomes more emotional and you feel more for Robert Duvall's character. Right. So, it's like Michael Michael Caine just kind of in that third act or second and third act just kind of falls a little back behind the curtain there. And it just becomes right. more of uh, more of Haley and, and Robert acting it out. And it, it's 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 still very beautiful. I want to give Michael Caine credit. He does a great job. And, but and also, the, the, you got to give Haley Joel credit too because – Yeah, yeah. Like you said, he, he – he is outclassed, but he's trying to keep up, and I think he does a pretty good job. I mean, yeah. He, he also got to think he's at like the the preteen to teenager age, right? Uh, in this movie, and not in real life. I mean, his face doesn't age, but that's a different story. Oh, I don't, I don't know. He, he, I don't know if you've seen him with his beard, but like when he grows a beard, it's hilarious. Yeah, his face still hasn't aged, but the beard makes yeah. him look <laughs> different. Yeah, no, I love. I I actually think it looks quite good on him. And, and oh, I'm a beard man myself, so you know, right? But he just still looks like Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still down <laughs> until right. until you get to his nose. And, uh, I, I I will give him credit, and also the part of why his character kind of disappears for me in this film. I mean, he's the narrator character; he's the most important character because he's you know we're seeing it all through his eyes. But it, I I feel like there's not much asked of his character other than to like look shocked at what's going on or look very excited at what's going on. You know, there's not it's not his story. You know, he is learning right. the story; he is hearing the story. I mean, it be, it it obviously is his story as the narrator. Right. But you know, it's 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 just it's a like almost a coming of age story for him, but through the stories of these two uncles of his, right? If that makes sense at all, it's second hand. It's second hand lions exactly. And let's yeah, that's that's so I don't think we've at all explained what's going on in the story. Is his mother played by Kira Sedgwick, uh, who just she's a bad mother. She doesn't she like not, her kid at all. She's, it's she's not, not interested in her know, kid. Yeah. It's not I don't think it's that she doesn't like her him. She's just so selfish that she does not mm-hmm. she does not put him in consideration with what she wants to do. Right. And I'm sure there's feelings there, but like I I don't think she likes him because all she talks about is finding the uncle's money 
And when she when she right. comes to pick him up, she is completely okay with him going away. Like, <laughs> like he, he he has an emotional speech about it, but like. I don't know. From a mother's standpoint, even with that emotional speech, it should still be like, but you're my son. Like, I need to protect you. And it's like, okay, yeah, go back. Be with your uncles. All right. Have a good one. You know what? It will be easier. Yeah. It will be easier. I think this is a good idea. (laughs) It's just bad. And like, she drops her. for the ending, but you know. Yeah, sorry. You get there. You, You get there, though, with this movie. And it's a fun, fun ride. Uh, right and and that's like the least important aspect of the ending there's so much other things that are um that we won't spoil that are more heartfelt than that moment that's like the least that's the least bit of glob at the third act there and and but she drops her kid off at her great at her uncle's house his great uncle's house in the middle of nowhere i don't remember where what state they're in oh I don't know. They're out like on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. It's like a ranch home kind of thing, like just completely isolated, uh, you know, a miles hike to the mailbox. And it, the uncles have, you know, they have a shit ton of money, supposedly. Nobody's seen it, but they have, you know, they're supposed to have the, all this money. And, and the mom's like, find out where the money is and we'll be rich, you know, like, maybe you could become the heir or whatever. Ah, money. And she drops her kid off. <laughs> and he's, and he is scared as fuck by these two people because they're just like gruff southern old grandpas who sit on their decks with they know nothing about kids they know nothing about kids they sit on their their front porch drinking iced tea and shooting shotguns at traveling salesmen who come by like (laughs) it's 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 hilarious but from a child's standpoint if you were stuck there you'd be like oh my god how am i gonna survive you know it's it's a very fun story of him Learning their back tales, you know, they have a very expansive and fairy taleish backstory, which is yes. just adorable. I love it. Yeah. It's and pretty great. I, uh, it is, I will say, a little white savory. Yes, it, very much so. Yes, uh, but I don't think that it makes the two grandpa characters, the two uncle characters, rather less endearing. If anything. Like there's, there's supposed you're supposed to speculate whether or not these are true or, or not, true stories or not, right? Yeah. Throughout the film, and I, I like the the ways that they try to do that because for, for for the first thing, Walt is this the second character that we've been talking about named Walt in this episode? I, I'm pretty sure. No, there, I think one of the Walter is uh, Father Goose. I think. Yes. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, this Walt Haley, he's not very trusting. Because his mom lies to him all the time, yeah. So he does. He doesn't know, and it's so fantastic that you, as a first-time viewer, are supposed to be like, "Why are they telling him this bullshit?" And yeah. his mom comes back with this detective who tells him uh, that they are bank robbers and stuff too. That's a bit of a bit of a spoiler, but. He he gets pulled in a lot of different directions, and as a kid, yeah. you know, as a kid, you're supposed to be able to just trust what the people you love tell you. Uh, yeah. He's getting pulled in two different directions, and this this movie is very much a coming of age movie, and him being able to decide what he wants to believe is a big part of 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 the whole thing. And I think it's exactly. a very well written movie. 
I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of elements to it that just keep coming into play. That you know, they bring in the lion, and the lion becomes a metaphor for the story, and it's kind of beautiful. And they, you know, they just keep working in tiny new elements. Like he meets this group of youngsters out at the bar, has a fight with them, and then like yeah. their relationship with the youngsters grow for the next twenty minutes until the youngsters are out of the film, like. It's just it's just a bunch of small little moments. Like it feels like you're reading like this big kind of fairy tale book. It you know what it really reminded me of? It really reminded me of uh, Big Fish. It, it's kind yes. of like uh, that kind of a story, or even Princess uh, Princess Bride. You know, it, it feels oh, yeah. like yeah. somebody reading you a fairy tale, and then you deciding whether or not you want to believe it. Right. And and I just I, I love that 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 kind of aspect of this. It, it, it's like a knockoff version of those two movies. Like it's it's a rung below those two films because I love those two movies. Yeah, I love and those this one, two movies too. And honestly, like I love I I love all three of these movies. I'll even say, and I never yeah. really put together that similarity. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it just kind of occurred to me there. It's just it does it does give me those kind of feels though, and I I love it too, but like not at the same level that I love Big Fish and. Right. There's a different kind of love for <clears throat> for secondhand lions because it the other two films, Big Fish especially reminds me of my dad, and Secondhand Lions reminds me of my dad, but in the sense that I watch this with him a lot, so it's a more personal love for this movie. But I still find the other two movies more endearing. I guess I don't know how to. Yeah. I, I've dug myself in a hole here. I don't know how to get out of it. But I well, love. I do here, love this I'll... film. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, because it's it's lovable. I will say that I do have, besides the white savior stuff, I do have another negative for this movie, and that is that there's really only four women characters, two being his relatives, his mom and his yeah. I don't know cousin, and they are awful. They're just yep. the worst humans, and then two of them are in the story that Michael Caine is telling. Um yeah. and they don't they don't even have any speaking lines, I don't think. Yeah, it's it, a lot of the dialogue and stuff that is spoken in the the storytelling <laughs> is mouth. It's mouth. It's mouth you know? and, and Michael Caine dubs it. <laughs> it's fucking I love it. It's like uh oh what is that movie with um Ant-Man. It's like Ant-Man where that one character just like yes, he's telling yeah. what's going on. He's, he's doing all the dialogue for everybody. Uh, it was done really well in that movie. <laughs> yeah, not not so not so well in this one, but still hilarious when it happened. Still hilarious, and I don't know. It, it was fun. It, it kind of just was a reminder that this is what uh, Walter is imagining while he's hearing the story. Yeah, it's a very father-son oriented kind of story. So it's like a very male-centric right. uh yeah, yeah, there is not a lot of female especially no female character development. They all they all no. stay the exact same at, like naggy throughout. And right. yeah, that is or that is another part that unreliable too. Uh ja you know, Jasmine is more put on a pedestal though too. That has always bothered me too, but the the fatheriness of this story, it's just good. I, I really do it's like good. this one a lot. Yeah. yeah, and then 
I mean, the, the lion is a bit absurd and hard to hard to believe when it happens when it comes in the play because it's it's an old and domesticated lion, and they're just like, all right, I guess an old domesticated lion might not attack somebody, but all right, <laughs> I feel like. I don't know enough. I'm not a zookeeper. I know I've seen a lot of zookeepers right. who are cuddling with their lions and like, oh, look, it's just another big cat, really. And it's like, that's true. It's just another big cat after it eats a shit ton of meat. Yeah. So. yeah. When its <laughs> hunger is placated. Yeah. Jesus. Would oh, not but... want to be in the pen when it's hungry. Right. But I do like how that lion, you know, becomes part of the tale how it how it's like you know you can look deeper into it and see a bigger message you know it's kind of like life of pi where it's like you can look into that tiger and see a different message there um this one is not as blatant as life of pi but like there's more to the tiger than that right. and i enjoy i enjoyed that there's there's a lot to this film that's just the, the the comedy is great the story is fantastical and you know i just love I'm I'm a sucker for like you know old guy telling a story. That's like yeah. that's always something I really like. I, you know I'm yeah. a huge Stephen King fan, and that's why all of his stories just it seems like you know a guy sitting down lighting a cigarette while he's rocking in his wheelchair or in his in his rocking chair, and maybe his wheelchair nowadays. And uh, you know he just tells you a story. Like I just I'm a sucker for that, and I I give this film uh, uh I'll give it three stars. I want to give it yeah. three and a half, but I'm gonna give it three. Sounds good. I uh, I really like this movie. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a face and a half. I I've always liked this movie from the first time I watched it, and I was kind of worried it wouldn't hold up. And yes, there were some things that grabbed at me that uh, you know were negatives, but they did not outweigh my overall enjoyment and love and the really good feeling you get at the end of the movie. It is a very good feel-good movie. So, face right. and a half. That being said, I think for me, the obvious winner is Secondhand Lions. Uh, yeah. Fa- Father I mean, Porky's Goose, has no... Por- Porky's not even on the podium. <laughs> Por- Porky's is nowhere even near third place. It's, yeah, it's yeah. been disqualified. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, as I told you, and I'm very cautious to say this, uh, but when I heard that my mother had recommended Porky's, I was like, oh dear God, I hope she did not recommend a Porky's trilogy triumvirate. I do not want right. to watch all three of those oh films because I do. Really it would hard. be terrible. Now they're going to have it. It would be really hard it. to get through. <laughs> if you want to offer a Porky's trilogy triumvirate, you can go down to uh, patreon.com slash green faceless, become a patron, <laughs> help us out, pitch in some money, and you can torture us with a Porky's trilogy triumvirate. Mother, do not requ- recommend that, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I give it to Secondhand Lions. Uh, Father Goose, when I watched that, um, when I rewatched it, I was like, you know what? I'm a sucker for older romantic comedies. I, you know, Audrey Hepburn era is like one of my favorite time in films. I just fucking love her, her entire filmography. Practically. They all have a little bit of issues with them, of course, but I just like a good sixties romantic comedy. And I didn't know if secondhand lions was going to hold up, but it, it fucking did it. It beat out father goose and, and wins the, wins the threesome here. Yeah. I, I I can't say that I was surprised because I knew I liked this movie, but 
I was surprised at how much I liked Father Goose. It, it was pretty good. Um, their older movies are hit or miss for me because sometimes I always respect the acting in older movies because I think they pay more attention to their craft than artists do now. Yeah. Some artists, some some artists obviously are out there every day working, fucking. They're running laps around whatever I can do. So they're working. They're fucking. They're working. They're fucking. That's our show. Oh, I have been the Green Traveler from Gorsh, and I am the Faceless Leon. Safe travels. Hang on. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works Nineteen. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.